Well, there's brooms. I hope you chaps have been sweeping uh, your lives with the new broom. We are new creations. If you're born again, you're a new creature. You are completely different. You and I need to live from that identity of who we are in Jesus. We've had a rich time, and Norman just like summed up the last uh, five or six weeks of what the Lord has been saying to us on a Sunday morning. And so often I think we, 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 we race from one thing to the next, and we're a bit like uh, monkeys when they go through a mealy field. They see a mealy and they say, oh, that's nice, and they take it. And they put it under their arms and they put it in their arm. They see another one and they take it and they, and they can destroy a whole mealy field and, because they, they never actually eat the one that they have. And maybe that's a bit like us. So often we hear the word of the Lord. Week in and week out. And do we put it into practice? Do we hide it in our hearts? Do we live it out in the week? That's our challenge. It's lovely to hear great sermons. Brendan preached magnificently. Jonathan was outstanding. Amy came with stories and, of her life. And it's all, oh, oh, well, but I need to impact us and make a difference where we live today. And because of that, I actually want to go back to Haggai. I want to stay in Haggai because that's what Jonathan started last week. And uh, when we look at Haggai, and I, for some of you might not have been here last week, so a little bit of maybe a summary uh, of what Jonathan did, and hopefully there will be some other things added into it. But most of all, I just want you to ask the Lord, what are you saying to me today? You might have already heard it in the, in the singing, in the breaking of bread. Maybe the Lord has already told you to surrender all. And maybe he does that every single day. Every single day, we've got to be like Joshua. Today, I will serve the Lord. So this is a time in which uh, the, the Jews had come back to, to Jerusalem the Babylonians had, a few years before that, had destroyed the temple, had destroyed the city. And uh, there was a, kind of a, probably a little bit of a heaviness. Yes, it was great to be back, but there was so much work to be done. And it was just uh, almost too big in some respects. And uh, the problem is, they had forgotten the purpose that they came back for. And what they were required to do was to rebuild the temple. And so the first message I just want to get out from, uh, the, from Haggai today, it reveals, the, 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 the passage, chapter 1, reveals that the, the governors and priests were frustrated in their lives because they were concerned about their own stuff their own houses, building their own homes and making sure their homes were paneled and, and beautiful. And they'd forgotten the temple. They had forgotten to build the temple. In, uh, in Matthew 6, we, we read that Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. That's an amazing scripture. I mean, as I have a look at my week and just thinking about my plans and, and I started to get into panic mode. I suddenly think the kids are going back to America and it's costly and it's expensive. And how's it all going to come out? How's the money going to be there? What's the Lord say, says to me? You're preaching on Sunday and you've got a, 
preach on this, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be added unto you. Everything. So as we seek God, everything else falls into place. And when we don't seek God, when we forget about him, when we put him way in the back corner of our lives, where we just play lip service to him, suddenly we find we become frustrated, we become disillusioned, we become despondent. Because he is a good God. God is good. I want you to hear that today. God is good. So, at this time they were living in frustration and discontent. Nothing seemed to satisfy. If you and I devote ourselves to sowing and eating and drinking and clothing ourselves and earning wages, then it's a bit like it says in the scripture, it falls through the holes. Your wages fall through the holes. And every time you go to the shops, you find that things are more expensive. And I can't believe I went to buy butter the other day. Butter was, uh, butter is, you know, you can't drink, eat, eat margarine. Butter is what it's about. And, and not so long ago, the normal price of butter was 29 rand. This time it was on special at 39 rand. And the normal price is 50 rand. And I know, don't know about you, but our, our, our wages haven't met that increase. That's, I don't know, that's a whole lot of percentage. The accountants will be able to tell me how much percentage that is. But we need to be focusing on Jesus. We need to be looking at our lives and looking at, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And collectively, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what ministry is the Lord calling you to in Sarepta? What ministry do you have when you go out into the, into the world? Ask the Lord to show you what you're meant to be doing. The consequences of seeking ourselves are really, are really dire. I think he says there, he says there somewhere along the line, he says, uh, the earth withholds its fruit. There's drought. As the consequence of the people not putting their attention on the temple, they've lost, they've, 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 they've lost God. They haven't surrendered all. They're concerned with their own stuff. So if you spend your time, your energy, your seeking comfort and security from the world, and do not spend yourself for the glory of God, every pleasure will leave its sour aftertaste of depression, guilt, and frustration. Only when we're full of Jesus, only when we are when we are enjoying Him and, and, and walking with Him and in Him, then we can enjoy it all. Then I can enjoy Wimbledon, even when Federer loses. Very sad. Then I can enjoy a walk in the mountains. Then I can enjoy my family. Because I'm rightly related with, with Jesus. I'm rightly connected to my Savior and Lord. I'm satisfied in Him. My first satisfaction comes from Him and walking with Him.
Haggai's redemption for this frustration goes like this. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may appear in my glory, says the Lord. Glory. That's one of the words. One of the words that I've been dwelling in and living in for the last three or four months. The glory. And I've preached on the, on, on the glory of God and the goodness of God. So the real problem here, the real problem that uh, the Jews are facing, it's not about bricks and mortar. It's about indifference to the glory of God. The temple of, 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 the, of the Old Testament existed for the glory of God. So even the tabernacle and the tent, the glory, the glory went wherever the tent went, wherever the tabernacle went, that was where, the, where God went, that was where his presence was. And then um, uh, Solomon built the temple. And the glory filled that house. And it was a magnificent house. If you try and save your life, you will lose your life. And you'll lose it to frustrations, to continual frustrations. But he who loses his life for the glory of God the good of his cause will find life deep and fulfilling. Just think about that. If you lose your life for the glory of God and the good of his cause, you will find life deep and fulfilling. I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, there are times when you're like kind of on fire and excited and, and, and walking well and with Jesus and, and you're kind of aware of his presence and there are times when you get up and you go through the motions and you forget him and you, and you uh, I know there's a deep sense of frustration that develops within my life a really deep sense of frustration when, I, when, I'm, when I'm not aware of his presence, when I'm not just walking, walking in him on a, on a moment by moment basis And so, what have we got to do about it? What have we got to do about it? And you've got to build the temple. And so the, the Jews were challenged to go and build the temple. And now they started building the temple. Haggai 1 verse 9, You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself in his own house. And so, we have to build. If we don't build the house of the Lord, if we don't build the life of Jesus in our lives, and remember that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it wonderful? There's a whole lot of brooms here. Beautiful new brooms. Beautiful saints meeting here, gathering together in the, king, in the king's house. In, in, in God's place. But in uh, Haggai, as they start building, they become despondent and they become, the work slowed down. It came to an almost complete stop. Think of your own lives. It's a very practical message, this from Haggai. 
You start off something for God. God gives you an idea or you start off a project and you're excited about it. But then there's, it, it takes too much effort and there's not enough funding and there's not enough this and there's not enough that. And, and you kind of lose direction. And so some encouraging words have to come to Haggai. They are discouraged. Why are the people discouraged? Well, just think about the memory. Some of them might have remembered the glory of Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple would have stood in that spot. And we must remember Solomon's temple was built in the golden age of the Jewish history. That was when there was an abundance of everything. There was enough gold. There was, uh, there was just, just the most amazing temple that was built. I think somebody quoted that the cost to rebuild the temple in today's terms, if you built it identically to that, would be $60 billion. U.S. dollars, not Zimbabwean dollars. And so just imagine, they're working and they, they, it's just, uh, just a low down. It's just the, uh, what do you call those things? The foundations. Gareth, you'd know about foundations. They're great foundations in this church. And what they would have seen, they would have seen it nothing and they didn't have much resources and they were a bit, so they would have thought, we were, I'm wasting my time. We're wasting our time. Probably be better to have a great memory uh, than a pathetic imitation. So they slack in their in their work. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Do not despise this. When I when I look at life, and none of us here are really the rich and famous. None of us were born into royalty. Although my few hands might go up and say, you know, they've been, been back, gone back a long way in, in their, in their uh, lineage and they've found that they were somewhere, there's some royal blood in them. And so we're just ordinary people going about an ordinary day's life. And God gives you, you and I things to do. And I think of Heather and Jeanette Lilliot. If I think of Heather and Jeanette Lilliot in... Uh, um, my yacht. They've been missionaries in my yacht, I don't know, for 30, 40 years. And I think it took them 17 years before their first convert. 17 years. 17 years they faithfully got up every morning and, and preached the gospel and shared the good news and they ran a bookstore and they, and they intermingled with the community. It took 17 years before their first... I would have given up after six months. It's, doesn't it seem a bit pointless? It's not, I'm, not make, I'm, I'm not really making any, any effect. I'm not making a difference. And so, it's easy to become despondent in our walk with Jesus. It's easy. Because we have a look and see somebody else and they seem to be growing and, and, and preaching the gospel and power and doing things well and, and thriving and prospering and, 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 and our little, little neck of the woods is just, just ticking along. It's easy to get despondent. And that's what happened with the workers at the, at the, at the temple. 
So what does the word of the Lord come and say? The word of the Lord comes to the Jews. Take courage. Work. Fear not. I'm with you. God says he is with you. You and I, do we believe that? Do we really believe that? Do we say Christ in us, the hope of, hope of glory, Christ in us? Do we really believe that it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me? Do we? Yeah, I like a yes, I like a yes. Do we really believe that? Because he's got a work for us to do. And he's with us. That's what he says. He says, I am with you, says the Lord in, in chapter 1, verse 13. And he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and, jo- and Joshua and uh, all, all, those, all those unpronounceable names. He stirred up uh, their spirits and they, they were encouraged. If we ask him and trust him, God not only works with us, but he moves in to stir up our spirit and to give us a heart for the work. He doesn't want crusty, diehards in his old, grumpy people in his, in his work. He, <laughs> he wants us to be full of joy, full of him. I love that scripture. There's a scripture in Philippians which goes along these lines. For it is God who works in you. God is at work within you. This, that, that's what it says. What, is it, what, is, what are you going to do within you? Both to will and to work, work for his good pleasure. Philippians 1. Philippians 2. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is at work in you. God is at work in you. What does he want you to do? To will and to work for his good pleasure. So it's all about him. It's all about him. I think uh, Brendan might have mentioned uh, a couple of weeks back uh, that the sole purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I think that's a, a John Piper. And, and, and God is most satisfied. God, God enjoys you and I when we are most satisfied in him. When I'm enjoying him, when I'm having a good, good time with, with God, he loves that. When I'm taking the, my, my spaniel for a walk down the road and w- chatting with Amy and we're chatting about whatever, every, everything and anything. Sometimes it's uh, about holiness. Sometimes it's about uh, next year. Whatever it is, God loves that. God loves that picture of us walking, just walking, walking, the, walking the dog. And that's a spiritual thing we do. So the word of the Lord to you and I today is take courage. Work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the promise that I made you when I came out of Egypt. My spirit abides among you. Fear not. So he walks within us. Exodus 19 verse 4 says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. The same presence that got the the Israelites 
from Egypt into the promised land, parting of the water, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Isn't that exciting? That you and I, as we go out into, into the day, we go out with Jesus and the power of Jesus, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So when we're in the, in the heat room, the sauna, the sauna room, uh, we can be bold and courageous and we can preach the word and we can uh, uh, babble away in tongues and, 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 and bring Jesus to that atmosphere. When any of Jonathan goes into the, into the sauna room, he brings Jesus. Whenever you, wherever you and I go, we bring Jesus. And we cause a lot of steam. It's a kind of the holy presence in, this, in the steam room. It's even more... And so what God is saying is He will use all His divine power, all His divine power, like He did in Exodus, to help you, to strengthen you, to protect you. Therefore, take courage. Do not fear. We need to be out there. We need to go. The coming and going. The last point I just want to just emphasize from the Scripture. is when you're looking at your work and you're thinking it doesn't amount to much. What we actually need to do, we actually need to get God's perspective. What does God think about it? What does God think about them rebuilding the temple? When we look at it and we think, oh, it's not going to be so good. It's not so, I've messed up and that brick is not in the right place or whatever it is as we're building. In chapter 2, verse 6 to 9, it says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once again, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake the nations so that the treasures of all the nations will come in, and I will fill this house with splendor. So what's he going to do? He's going to shake the nations. He's shaking the nations today. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. The latter splendor of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give you, I will give prosperity, says the Lord. In other words, take courage and fear not. You build more than you see. But God, what does God promise? He promises to take your work and fill it with His glory. With His glory. So everything we do, we do for His glory. This morning, when we come to a service, when we come to a house on a Sunday morning to worship and praise, well, that's lovely and wonderful and and it's lovely to hear the, the word of the Lord and it's lovely to worship together. But we do the same Wherever we go, wherever we go, God fills us with His glory, the glory of the Lord. Most of the highway don't go to church on a Sunday. They're out playing golf or on the dam or by the beach or watching movies. They will see you and I 
That's, that's who they see. We, we, we represent Jesus to them. So what God promises is to take your work, to fill it with His glory, and to make your labors worth a million times more than you'd ever imagined. So just that little cup of coffee that you bring somebody, just that uh, prayer that you say as you're running down the road and you run past somebody, God can multiply that and bring much glory. And we actually think sometimes we, we shut away in our prayer closet and we're praying for people and we're thinking, and we look and we wonder, whether, is it making any difference? Yes, it is. God is promising it. He's going to make it worth more than you'd ever imagined. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't, as you, as you are doing something and if it looks insignificant, just be faithful in that. As we're faithful in that, God multiplies it and God gives us more. My last scripture. 2 Kings chapter 6. And this is a servant of Elisha. Wakes up in the morning. There's a battle going on, and he sees that they're surrounded. And the servant says to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The problem's too big. The enemy's too great. Can't see the wood for the trees. It's just despondency and discouragement is settling in my heart. We're going to be killed. I'm not going to live. And Elisha says, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, Please open his eyes that he might see. As you see the problems and the stuff that you're facing today, and I know we all face stuff, all of us, we're all facing issues. My prayer is that the Lord would open our eyes, that we would see from his perspective. That we would see that what he's doing is he's building a magnificent temple. That the work which you have started, he's going to complete because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. That he's going to get us to, to the end. And uh, that there's far more for us than are against us. And so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. Wow, this prayer of Elisha is pretty powerful stuff. Open our eyes and we might see there's more for us. And there's an issue, well, they just uh, uh, make them blind so they can't fight. Whatever you face today, whatever I face today, my prayer is that we would open our eyes and see what God is doing. God is, says the, the, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. 
So for all those who have been sincerepta for more than 20 years, who look back to the copper shop days with fondness, who've forgotten all the rumbles and jungles and look, look, look back to the, we've got some magnificent seven people here, look back to the magnificent seven days. And they were great days. God was moving. But God has says, promised that today he will move more. And he'll, uh, the glory will be greater today than it was way back when. And so let's get excited. Let's get excited uh, and move into the more of God. We had some people for supper last night. And it was a cold evening and we'd made them a beautiful stew and they hadn't eaten supper. They hadn't eaten lunch. So they were starving and they walked in and it was a beautiful warm, the the heater had been on and we'd been cooking and it was a beautiful stew with lovely mashed potato made with cream and all sorts of spices. It's, I hope there's some leftover and uh, uh, butternut, and uh, there was a beautiful green salad. Not, not, not so beautiful, but, but they, yeah. And, 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 they, and they came in and they said, Wow, yeah, this smells so good. We are so hungry. They were hungry. They just wanted to eat. I think they were, we still had to mash it. We still had to mash it. So they were really hungry. And I want us to come to any, any meeting that we ever come to. I want us to come to Hungry for God. I want some more. Because he's got some more and it's going to be beautiful. So no pressure on lunch today, babe. But uh, <laughs> I've just worked up an appetite and, the, and uh, the, everybody here now is hungry. And now we've got to feed the whole church. <laughs> we can feed the 5,000. But let's be hungry for Jesus. Let's be hungry and thirsty for, for Jesus. And let's, let's eat and feed and it's like a lemon meringue pie and all good things. You can never get enough of it. You can never get enough of it. So let's feast. Feast on the, on the words that we've had over the, over, the, over the months. Feast on that. Go and think about uh, your life. And surrender it all to Jesus. Amen.